0: Good day, and welcome to Sarah and T, the Professional Vacation Rental Managers Podcast, coming to you from the Outer Banks of North Carolina.
1: And from the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. I'm Sarah Bradford from Winter Park and Steamboat Springs.
0: And I'm Tim Cafferty from the Outer Banks of North Carolina and Sandbridge in Virginia. Together, we bring you the first podcast focused solely on professionally managed vacation rentals, both domestic and abroad.
1: In the next 30 minutes, we hope you will join us on our journey as we dive into issues affecting folks like us, the professional vacation rental manager, allowing you to run your business more effectively, make more money, and most importantly, have fun doing it.
0: So if you listened to our last episode, you know what's coming this week. Dirk Johnson, the Executive Director of the Vacation Rental Housekeeping Professionals, was with us last time around, and we talked all things housekeeping, or did we? We have a number of questions still on the table with Dirk, and he has been gracious enough to come on for a second episode. And So Dirk, as we wrap up the housekeeping part of this before we move into the important world of laundry, I want to pick up on something we sort of left off with the last episode, and that is the importance of clean properties. There's been numerous articles as Airbnb. We talked about that in our last episode as well, about the assurgence of Airbnb and how they're competing with the national brands now in revenue. But one of the things that's still a dark cloud hanging over is, is that house really clean? And so the importance of what you do can't be underestimated. What's your thought about the whole Airbnb movement and how that relates to our image in the industry of of houses maybe not always being so clean? I
2: agree that that is the case, because for a while there, Airbnb was just the room or the couch that was available in your home, and then they picked up larger homes and whole properties, and without any standard or anybody following up to make sure that the standard is being met to, guests were checking into dirty properties or even not-so-clean properties. And so that hurts us as an industry, because it doesn't allow our best foot to shine forward. And in the news, all you hear about are the bad pieces. You know, you never hear Mm -hmm. about the 95% or so that came and had a great stay and and were clean. And so making sure that we have that standard and that we have that ability to articulate to the guest what to expect when they arrive. Back in the day, some people brought their own sheets to stay on their beds and clean their own properties before they even checked in. And and now that's not the case. And so you look at what Airbnb is doing with their certified properties and a certified host to now elevate their brand and to help attract the business clientele or some of those that had a bad experience in Airbnb and will never stay again until they get their standards straight.
0: Yeah, housekeeping, we identified in the last episode, is still a struggle for a lot of us, right, Sarah?
1: Yeah, I even heard on a conference call recently an owner of a decent-sized company say that he is still... Doing it the old way of not providing sheets and towels upon arrival. I don't even know how you get away with that. But I'm also shocked that there's so many companies who are doing laundry in the home. That's a common occurrence, correct?
2: It is. And if you really want to impede the effectiveness and efficiency of a housekeeper, tell them to do the laundry in the home while they're trying to clean it. It can add anywhere from a half hour to three hours on a house on a clean time depending on the size of the home and what needs to be done. So doing laundry in the home is not a good solution. I see the mentality and the choice that leads to why you would do that. It doesn't mean that you should.
0: Dirk, you talked about not being an efficient way, but a lot of owners that I hear, owners being owners of vacation rental companies, defend it to the hilt saying it's so much less expensive that way. Can you drill it down for us and tell us why that's really not the case?
2: It's less expensive, I suppose, from a capital expenditure standpoint. But really, they're just burying the cost in their labor. I worked for a company where this was their standard. There were a team of us because it was a super busy day. And the way I had mapped out the work, there were two of us. There was a team of us going from house to house to house. And we were much faster than the machines could keep up. And so we would finish one house and there was still two loads of laundry to do. So we would go on to the next house, get that load started. And then I'd have to go back to the last house, the first house we were at pull out that load, change loads, fold it, do what I needed to do, go back to the second house we were at, help them finish that, go to the third house, get that going. So by the end of the day, I was going back to all of the homes that we had cleaned just to do the laundry. And when you think of drive time and unproductive cleaning time and all these things that go with that, it just doesn't work. And then on top of that, if you think of a housekeeper who has too much work in the day and they're looking at their cleans and they're looking at the laundry Housekeeper that being mischievous or untrustworthy, you may take the sheets and throw them in the dryer with the dryer sheets and fresh them up and put them back on the bed. I'm looking at this from a time standpoint. Housekeeper's objective is to get in, clean the property, and get out. To take extra time to do the linen it just takes them away from their primary responsibility.
1: Let's make that a great segment into the the world of laundry. Let's say I'm a company. I've been doing the laundry in-house. We grew really fast. I had no way of even knowing how to wash the sheets. So now I have 25 properties. We're doing all the laundry in-house. What are my options? How does a company evolve to the next steps and what are the next steps? It's daunting if you don't know anything about this part of the industry.
2: It can be. I I totally agree with you. And so you, you can either then look to outsourcing your laundry. So in other words, you could rent the linen from somebody. And so they would show up to your doorstep and they would drop off the clean and they would pick up the dirty and they would go back to their laundry facility and then you could set that up that way. Second step would be, I own my linen. And so then I contract with a commercial cleaner, a commercial laundry to pick up my linen and to do my linen and then to bring it back to my property. And then the third piece would be that I take the plunge and purchase some commercial laundry equipment and set up a, a small laundry in a back room somewhere to be able to have the proper proper machines and, and time to wash the linen appropriately. Each one of those has advantages and disadvantages depending upon what you're looking to do and what the size of the company is.
1: One thing you did not say, Dirk, which I am glad you didn't, is don't have each owner own their own sheets and towels and try to take it off site and keep track of it because you know a lot of companies try to do that yeah that's crazy like remember i'm the pink one the pink flowers (laughs) i mean you're never gonna be able to keep track of everybody's laundry why would you do that you can't clean it all together it's that's that's not a way to go
2: it is not a way to go and in the last episode we talked about the housekeeper being able to carry itself uh, financially and having a linen program Where the linen is owned by the vacation rental company and the owners pay a certain percentage into that or the guests pay a certain percentage into that, however it's set up, that goes to paying for the linen, paying for the laundry and doing all sorts of things of that nature. Absolutely, the linen must be owned by the vacation rental company, not by the owner of the individual properties you're managing.
0: Taking that to the next level, you talked about one of the options being the vacation rental company owning the product and then contracting with a professional linen service to do what they call COGs, customer-owned goods, I think is what they refer to it as. They're really – they don't like that, do they? It's sort of like what Sarah was saying about uh, that's my pink towel. They get stuff mixed up. It's hard for them. Is it not – that's not a, a great option for those guys, is it?
2: It is tough, right? Because the same issue is they they have their commercial machines and the objective of a commercial machine is to run it 100%. So Tim, if, if you and I are in the same city and we're using the same outsourced laundry, it could be that half of the batch in that drum is mine and the other half is yours. There are misshipments all the time. Part of using that type of service is in your contract, you need to stipulate and outline. What's going to happen if you receive somebody else's linen? How is that rectified? And you have to have an inventory. Obviously, there's going to be some loss and you're willing to accept some. And if it goes over that loss, that percentage, then you're going to look to them and say, we're over this percentage of loss. It's time to make me whole. And how do we go about doing that? And that needs to be outlined in the agreement or the contract between you and the company that's there. It's, just, it's going to happen based on how the industry operates and the size of machines that are being used. So knowing it's going to happen and being prepared for in advance and having that conversation up front before you even sign the the document is paramount.
1: So that assumes that the vacation rental company is counting all the sheets and towels they're getting back every time and somehow matching that to how much they dropped off. Is that what you're saying?
2: No, no, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is then once a quarter or once every other month, or at a minimum, once every six months, go through and you do a total inventory of what your product is. So you're going to know what product you have that's on the bed, that's in the properties, you know what product you have on the shelf. And then you have to make sure that you count any dirty that's going out to match it with any clean that's coming in. So you want to do it on a slow day to make sure you have a a correct inventory.
1: Okay, phew, that that makes me feel better. (laughs) What's the,
2: the largest asset? That the housekeeping department has is the linen. That's an annual purchase, and that asset has to be tracked and taken care of. Matching the product and having that inventory and knowing what your losses are is critical to not only the housekeeping department manager knowing what's taking place, but you as the owner who's writing the check to replace that linen, you need to know what those acceptable losses are and then be able to replace them.
0: So when dealing with one of those professional laundry services, are they moving to a model that's more like you need to use our stuff, you need to use our in sort of a rental mindset?
2: From their perspective, that would be the easiest piece to work with. If property management is telling the property owners to do that, is because if right. a stain if a, a hand towel or a sheet gets stained or ripped, I can just replace it and not have to worry about it. And so from their perspectives, if the company is providing you the linen, then they really don't they mm-hmm. don't have to track your linen and your cost because it's all part built into their rental rate that they're charging you. So yes, they care about the linen and the cost, but it just changes the perspective in the same way it changes from the property manager to the owner. So you're looking at it the same way.
1: I first did it the bad way of doing it in the property. I can't believe I'm saying that, but I used to clean linens in the property when we had the first few. Then I went to renting the linens. So I've been through this whole process. Mm -hmm. Renting the linens Wow, I don't recommend that. At least the service we used, you cannot control quality of the your product. Then we went through a significant investment buying the linens. And at that point you can't go to an owner 5 years in and say, "Oh, I'm going to do this charge I've never done before and charge you for linens." At least I didn't feel like I could. So it's a huge capital investment and now we are moving to and we're using a linen service that cleans our product and now as you know Dirk and Tim We are about to embark on building our own laundry. So maybe, yeah, so maybe (laughs) we take the next step of when do you think it does make sense for someone to have their own laundry in-house? That's a really good question. And part of that is
2: based on the size of the properties that you have. If I'm like Tim on the Outer Banks and I have 12, 15-bedroom homes then I'm going to be looking at doing an on-premise laundry much sooner than I am if I have 15 one-bedroom condominiums. And so you have to look at your volume, look at your property size, and look at your growth and how you're going to manage that, and then start to piece together what size space do I need, what kind of machines am I looking at. From a machine standpoint, you want to be using a commercial machine. You don't go down to Home Depot and find the one that says commercial on it. it. It doesn't work. You need to be using a proper commercial machine to do your laundry.
1: Hey. Dirk, can you explain why you need, you can't use just that word commercial on it? What is it about commercial laundry that's different?
2: So a commercial machine is different in the following way. There are four pieces or four parts to the laundry process when it goes in the washing machine. You have your time, in other words, the time of wash. You have your mechanical action. In other words, when the drum turns, how the product falls through the wash or through the the wash liquor to go through the textile. You have your temperature, so temperature of the water that you're, you're washing in, and then you have or your laundry products that are in the bath. And so all four of those operate together. And if you adjust any one of those, then you have to adjust the other three to match that. And in a residential machine, you get hot, cold, small, large, delicate, whatever, and you hit start. And the wash cycle is anywhere from 30 minutes to 45 minutes, depending on what you choose. In a commercial environment, I can program the machine to do what I want to do. So if I have a new linen that comes into my program, there's a new linen cycle, and it's all of 12 minutes. And if I have a stain load that I need to do some reclaim on my sheets and towels to get some stains out, then that cycle is three hours. And the the wash formulas are different, and the temperatures are different, all based on what's taking place. And so a a true commercial machine is 100% programmable, for each of those four items.
0: I started my own laundry a year ago. I can't wait to talk to Sarah in about six months when she starts to figure out all the stuff that I've been through here recently. The machines and the water and the sewage in the building, that was the easy part. The difficult part for me was the temperature and the chemical balance man, you can really go wrong if you don't know what you're doing there, right?
2: So this is why, the well, I'll call them the soap vendor or soap man or who, however you want to term that, your supplier of that should be providing to you at least every other month, if not monthly, something called a titration report. And the titration report talks about the chemistry that's happening in the wash liquor. So when the machine dumps out the back, they're going to take a cup stick it in there, capture some of that dump water, and they're going to test the temperature, they're going to test the pH, they're going to test all of those things to make sure that the programming they put in there for the time, temperature, and all those things like that are actually working as they should. Because chlorine bleach, for instance, if you're using bleach as part of your process, the water in the drum needs to be 140 degrees in order for chlorine to work appropriate. Far too often, laundries struggle to get to 100, 110 And here you need to be at 140 to make the chlorine operate appropriately. And so making sure that your soap man is coming in, testing, doing the titration report, sticking his nose in your laundry to make sure it smells correctly. He's really your eyes and ears in the the laundry to make sure that the machines are being loaded correctly, that the pumps are operating correctly, and that they have the right products to use and all those things like that. I mean, they really are an ally in that. And the way you hold them accountable is, I want to see my titration report.
0: So another pullover moment, titration, that's the word you're saying?
2: Yes, sir, titration report.
1: And also soap man. Uh, In case anyone (laughs) like me a year ago heard that, I'd think, I don't think we have a soap man in... our county. Uh, Apparently, they're everywhere. And everybody that sells these chemicals has a soap man. And the soap man wants to sell you the chemicals. So they offer this service usually for free to come do titration reports and see if you have the right mix of chemicals. Do I have that correct?
2: It is free. It is part of the service. It is part of the purchasing the product from them. There should not on your invoice from them, there should not be and a line item that says titration report, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, no. You're buying the soap from them. This is their way of ensuring that the programming and the chemicals that they are providing to you are working the way they should and the way they've outlined it. Absolutely. This, this is part of the service that they're offering.
0: The soap man will find you once you buy a washing machine. I promise.
1: Great. So now you guys have me a little bit scared. I was already scared, (laughs) but you have me scared. And so somebody that's never thought about this is definitely like, whoa, this just went crazy with titration conversation. (laughs) Can we take it back up a notch to starting your own laundry? What would be your process? How would you even know where the heck to start? I know you've started a lot of laundries for clients, Dirk. Talk to us about how you even get going.
2: Well, the first thing you need to do is you need to know what your departures are. And then once you know your departures, then you need to figure out what the amount of linen that's being produced on those departures. So what the bed mix is, what the bathroom mix is. And so you can figure out the amount of poundage in sheets and towels that you're producing each day. And then once you have that, then you can create your worst scenario, if you will. In other words, the day where you have the most sheets and the most terry to produce, then with that, you then have a a formula that you use to calculate the size of machines that you need based on the amount of hours that you want the washing machines to operate. And so once you have that, once you have those pieces of information, you calculate the size of the machine, and then you can figure out your space requirements, your dryer requirements, and all of those things of that nature that go with it.
1: Also, whether you have a building to do this in, if you're allowed to do that in that building based on city, county codes, water requirements, you have to go through all of that. But you guys have definitely told me you recommend this. Have you, Of all the laundries, Tim, you've seen go into place in your own versus in in Dirk, all of the ones you've been involved in, how many say, oh, I wish I wouldn't have built my own laundry? I only know of one,
2: Hmm. and they're in the Outer Banks.
0: Really?
1: And it's not Tim.
0: No.
2: <laughs> it's not Tim. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, that's interesting because I, I would say and none. I,
2: and, I, and I have not had an opportunity to ask that individual as to why they chose to do it. But everybody that I talked to says it was a game changer because it allowed me to now have control from start to finish of my product. I think of all the times that your laundry is being sent out somewhere and all of a sudden your short washcloths or your short fitted sheets where are they? Where are they? You're picking up the phone. Oh, you know, it's 45 minutes down the road. Oh wait, there's an accident. It's going to be two hours or whatever the case may be. If your laundry is close and you're right there, now all of a sudden you can control it because you can walk out the day before. You can look at your arrivals and your cleans for the next day and say, I need this many. You look at the shelf and you say, wow, I'm short. I need to get a shift in here tonight to produce this laundry so I can have what I need in the morning. Or I need to place an order because my par level is not where it needs to be because I'm running too tight.
0: And wrap to this, before we get to our fun part of the show, we're going to have uh, Dirk on the spot here in a moment. Dirk, I'll let you kind of reflect back to our last episode as well as what we've covered in this episode. The last episode being housekeeping focused, and we've been more laundry focused on this one. If you can tell us some of the common pitfalls you've seen on the housekeeping end, you know where the big mistakes are made by vacation rental operators, and again, some of the most common pitfalls and mistakes you've seen on the laundry side. If you can summarize that in just a couple of minutes.
2: So the biggest pitfall I see on the housekeeping side would be cleaners or companies going down to the store and buying something called ready-to-use. In other words, they walk in the Dollar Tree or they walk into Sam's Club or whatever, and they're buying product off the shelf in a bottle. Mm. instead of buying concentrate. You need to be buying your products in concentrate because it's a cost savings, a huge cost savings, and you get better product. And then the other thing I see is they buy a cheap product and then they wonder why their clean times are so high. Well, the cheap product doesn't break down the body oils or the soap scum or anything of that nature. And so the housekeeper has to take longer to scrub to make it clean. You want the product that you can spray on there, let it dwell, let it sit break down that stuff, and then they come along and wipe it and move on. So those are the two things that I see. They buy a ready-to-use product instead of a concentrate, and then they buy a cheap product that doesn't break down the body oils or the soap scum that we're trying to, to get rid of. And then on the laundry side, they're doing it in the property. Or if they're not doing it in a property, they're doing it in a machine that isn't a commercial machine where you can control your time, temperature, Mechanical action and the amount of product that's being pumped into the drum to take care of your product. It's all about making sure that you have a good product for people to to rest their head against as they're going to sleep at night.
0: Okay, Dirk, we warned you in advance. It's that time, where we have rapid um, fire, um, our inane little game that we play with all of our guests. We ask you off the wall questions, find out more about you and your personality. You can answer in a few words or a few more if you like. So. Okay. Start the clock. Dirk, hardwood or carpet?
2: In my bedroom, carpet. In my living room, hardwood.
1: If you weren't in the housekeeping industry, what would you do?
2: I started off as an engineer. I studied mechanical engineering. I have an associate's degree in mechanical engineering.
1: Who knew?
0: Not me. All right. How about contract cleaners or employees? Employees.
2: Dirk, what's your pet peeve? When I travel, the only pet peeve I have is I make sure that there's no bed bugs. Outside of that, I can handle everything else.
1: Pet Get. peeve is bed bugs. <laughs>
2: I, don't, I don't. Of course, it is. I don't. Is. I, don't. I, I don't.
0: Okay. So, do you have a black light within three feet of you right now?
2: Yes, sir. And yes, I use it in hotel rooms and places where I stay.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: A black light, by the way, for the listeners is when you turn the lights off, turn the black light on and you see a lot of really some things you wish you would never see on the walls and the toilet and the bed.
2: That's right. It shows optical brighteners and proteins and proteins would be blood, urine, vomit, alcohol, all sorts of things like that.
1: Okay. Moving on. Fun. I love it. What is the gross? While we're on that, let's just go deeper. What's the grossest <laughs> thing you've seen in the housekeeping world? <laughs> The grossest thing that
2: I've seen that is, is vomit. I see vomit, I clean it up, and then I go vomit myself. Yeah, it would have to be vomit. Blood I can handle, feces I can handle, uh, it has to be vomit.
0: Okay, how about inspectors checking behind cleaners or cleaners self inspecting?
2: I believe there needs to be uh, an inspector behind the cleaner.
1: Favorite type of sheets for a vacation rental company to purchase for their? properties.
2: I would purchase anywhere between 250 and 320 cotton poly sheets. I would go a little bit higher thread count on the pillowcases because that's where their head rests. And I would do some sort of pattern on the pillowcase or it's a tone-on-tone satin stripe or some piping or something of that nature just to add a little extra pop to the
0: bed on the pillowcase. Mm -hmm.
2: But the flat sheets and the fitted sheets would be plain white.
0: Dirk, give us one thing on your bucket list.
2: One thing on my bucket list is I'm going to go to Hong Kong. I want to go visit that city. That just sounds cool to me.
1: Well, when you go there, my question is aisle or window seat? If I'm traveling at night or I have to sleep, it'll be
2: a window seat. And if I'm traveling back and I'm going to be awake, an aisle seat.
0: Okay, I know you listen to us quite often and you know this question was coming, so I'm sure you've given it some thought. You're driving down the road. you turn up that radio because you're hearing your jam. What's that song?
2: It would be in the air tonight by Phil Collins.
1: Oh, I kind of want to sing it, but I won't. Dirk, how many cavities do you think you've caused in your attendees of sessions by giving them candy bars?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, that's a great question, and I, I'm hoping not very many because they get spread around by those who ask. However, to the to the repeat for asker, question askers, I'm sure I've caused at least three or four. <laughs>
0: Maybe you should start giving out toothbrushes next year.
2: I should maybe. I even thought I, I even thought about giving away little toilet plungers because I have one on my shelf in my office <laughs> that uh,
0: was a giveaway. But uh, but I don't know. We'll see. All right, Dirk. What book are you reading now?
2: I am in the middle of getting a master's degree in hospitality, and so the book I'm reading now are the assignments for that specific class.
0: On occasion,
2: I will the most the book that I just finished reading was the Four Disciplines. I just finished that book. The next book on the list would be Paid to Think by Mr. Goldsmith.
1: What's the most interesting thing you've learned in your master's program so far?
2: The most interesting I've learned is that the OTAs, Expedia, Booking.com, whomever, one of those outspends the top four hotels on online marketing. Wow. So you take Marriott, Starwood, Hilton, you add all of them up, one OTA, Spends more money in online marketing than all four of those added together. That was mind-blowing to me. So going back to our, what caught off the press in the last session, where Airbnb is, has more revenue in the U.S. than Hilton, you start to look at that, how do I use OTAs to be a feeder pattern for me? And then how do I use that to my advantage? And what is the true cost of using an OTA versus a direct booking? But that was my most fascinating piece of calculating the true cost of of using an OTA.
0: Dirk, you're scanning channels (laughs) on the TV. What is that show or movie that you stop on and watch for the 15th time?
2: Uh, So it would be two things. If it's a show, or I mean a movie, it would be Undercover Blues. And if it's a show, it would be
0: Hogan's (laughs) Heroes. Okay. I know nothing. That would be it.
1: That would be it. You guys have lost me. (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, clink. Oh you have to watch too bad. it It's such a good show
1: Should we let our cleaners Pack their bags To go out to a property Or should we pack them for them
2: To me that's a company preference You know several companies That pack their bags for them The housekeeper show up And walk out the door And they're all happy I know of another Several companies That have them pack the linen For them And then they walk out the door I don't have a preference As long as When the housekeeper walks out They have clean sheets And they have the correct sheets And towels And things they need
0: Okay last question What gift or talent do you not possess at this time that you wish you had?
2: I want to be able to write better. You know, whether that be articles, books, whatever, I want to be able to write better.
0: Well, we know one thing you've written is the standard property appearance document that's available with VRHP. And I want to give you a quick moment here. And, and well, by the way, you win nothing for participating in our game, but we are appreciation for playing. But at any rate, be some people out there listening that are not members that may have interest in some of the stuff we've talked about over the last two episodes. Dirk, how do they find you? What's the benefit of membership? That kind of stuff. Give us a quick commercial.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the Vacational Housekeeping Professionals Association is an association that's built around the back of the house. So housekeepers, maintenance techs, laundry professionals. We are an association that looks out for that, provides best practices, Best way to get a hold of the association is by uh, steering your web browser to vrhp.org, and there's ability to sign up there. In the membership portal, we have the video recordings of the last national conference session, so you can go in and see those, the webinars that we do monthly are also archived there and available to members only. So provide a monthly safety topic in a newsletter for you to, to provide that to your staff, because that's one of the OSHA compliance pieces is you have a safety topic each month. It, it's an opportunity to get together and build on the knowledge you have and to take care of those that take care of your brand and have the best practices and to be effective and efficient in your back of the house. And that is what we specialize in.
0: And when you say back of the house, again, just to clarify, we talked about housekeeping, talked about laundry. We did not talk about maintenance, and that's another area that you're specializing in now as well.
2: Yes, sir, it is. It is. You know, you look at the hot tub work that needs to be done and the HVAC work and just the general plumbing work and the maintenance tech side. If a housekeeper, and you two have talked about this, uh, when a housekeeper arrives at a property, it's usually housekeeper opens the door and they get grilled because they should've done it right the first time the maintenance guy shows up and it's a party and they pop the keg open and say let's have a party cuz the t- the maintenance guy's here is going to unplug the toilet so have uh, both of those arenas to uh, to work through and to make sure they each receive their guest service training and how to handle the situations that they come across
1: thank you so much Dirk for not one but two episodes with us so many nuggets so many pullover moments Tim I've been taking notes I'm sure you have, too, even though mm-hmm. you're a super fancy laundry guy. So thank <laughs> you so much, Dirk, for being with us.
2: You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, I'm honored and, and humbled that uh, I get to be part of the, those that were chosen to, to ha- be able to have a conversation with you.
0: So that'll do it for episode 44 for us, Sarah. Can you believe it? 44 episodes we've done, and Dirk is our first two-time guest. Always great to be with you. Thanks for the time.
2: Thank you. Much appreciated. Likewise.
1: We've almost hit my age for the number of episodes, but not yet.
0: All right. So long, everybody.
1: Have a good one. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to Sarah and T, Professional Vacation Rental Managers Podcast. Brought to you by Sarah Bradford of Winter Park Lodging Company and Steamboat Lodging Company, as well as Tim Cafferty of Outer Banks Blue and Sandbridge Blue Realty Services. Together, Sarah and Tim manage more than 600 privately owned vacation rental properties, and both are regarded as experts in the vacation rental management industry. Music provided by Ben Sound. We encourage your participation on this podcast by sharing it with friends, and please feel free to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Comments or reviews on this particular podcast can be made on their website sarahnt.com where you can also subscribe to the podcast as well provide them feedback on this episode or give them ideas for future topics we look forward to speaking with you next time on sarahnt.com